Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them, just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to The Personal Investor. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, can we really have returned to a bull market? By the technical definition of that term, US shares have put last year's bear market behind them and are back on the front foot. So why doesn't it feel like it? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. With last year's stock market losses still fresh in investors' memories, it doesn't feel like there's a whole load of optimism about right now. And yet, we have just passed a significant milestone on the road to recovering those losses. The US stock market has now re-entered bull market territory, exiting the bear market that has been in place since the middle of last year. What does such an arbitrary measure really tell us? And if we are back into a bull market, can it last? To answer those questions, I'm pleased to say that I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, We're going to get into the specifics of this bull market, if indeed that is what we have. But I thought I'd start by spending some time on these odd terms, these bull and bear markets, uh, what are they and what purpose do they serve? Yes, I mean, it's it's a kind of shorthand and it's and it's a shorthand. It's a bit of jargon that that uh, unfortunately we use um, with jargon, gay abandon. I can't believe it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, but I mean, but it's quite a quite a simple concept. I mean, a, a, a bull market is, is, is basically an upward trending market over a period of time and a bear market is the reverse of that so it's mm-hmm. a, a downward trending market and um, stock markets tend to, to to be in one of those states um, all the time they're either falling or they're rising they tend not to go sideways for for any uh, extended um, period um, so yeah that's what they are there are technical um, or not technical, but widely accepted definitions of what a, a bull and a bear market is. And the shorthand tends to be that if a market has risen by 20% from its recent low point, then people consider it to be in a bull market. If it's fallen by 20% from its recent high point, then likewise, it's considered to be in a bear market. I was actually looking at the origins of those terms, and I couldn't decipher it. There seems to be various historical... Uh, theories to do with fur trapping and things in the US or all all these odd things for those particular words. Mm. But um, more generally, why do we have those terms? Is it really because, um, yeah, as you say, people want to kind of have a shorthand for the trend in markets. Markets will go up and down every single day. Um, but what we're trying to capture with these terms is the is the trend. So yes, it's it's down beyond the normal ups and downs of the market, or it's up beyond the normal ups and downs. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, as as you say that you know on a daily basis the market will go up and down, and even within a bear market or within a bull market, you will get um, you know extended trends that that maybe don't qualify for a you know a new bull market or a new bear market. They might be um, you know a, a a 10% correction, for example. In fact, in fact, that is actually the, the word that's used. A correction yeah. tends to be a movement of 10% or more um, downwards. Yeah, and so um, a little bit of recent history then uh, to, to bring everybody up to speed of where we are now. Uh, so my 
by my reckoning, Tom, we fell into a bear market for US shares, and this conversation is all about US shares, um, in about June of last year. That was when the S&P fell to 20% below its peak from the start of the year, basically, the end of, of 2022. It then actually rose a bit, but then it fell again. And it actually, by about August, I think, was 24% down from that high. Um, and then last week, we got to a level where it was 20% above that point. So any listeners who are actually able to follow that, <laughs> and anyone with a basic understanding of percentages and maths, is going to realise that actually we are still some way below our level from the end of 2022, aren't we? Um, yes, we've risen 20%, but that's from a lower base. So what exactly is this supposed to be, uh, or why is this supposed to be a reason for, for such optimism? Because it's not a full recovery or anything like it. No, it's not a full recovery. You're right. And, and you know, the, the, the arithmetic is worth understanding that, that if, if, uh, if the value of something falls by 20%, uh, then it needs to rise actually by 25% to get back to square one. Um, so something valued at 100 falls to 80, then it needs to rise by a quarter, 20, uh, to get back to 100. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's precisely what happened last year. Um, the, the, the stock market peaked at the beginning of 2022. It lost about a quarter of its value um, by, by the autumn, and it has recovered some of that. But as you say, um, you know, 20%, a 20% recovery from the bottom actually only represents maybe two-thirds of what it lost last year. Um, yeah. Why is it a cause for, for, for celebration? Well, I mean, we're in a much better place than we were from a, mm. from a market perspective uh, than we were in uh, you know, August to, to October um, last year. So the, the, the celebration is, is, is more of a hope than a celebration, I'd say. It's the hope that this bull market, uh, if that's what it is, actually has some legs and can continue and then we can in due course regain the highs of, of last year and then move on to new highs in, in the future. Well, let's um, examine whether that hope is, is well placed or not. Uh, what is underpinning the, the rise in US shares? I'm going to stress that point again because you look globally, you look at the UK and other parts of the world, you won't be seeing this effect. We are talking about US shares. But what is underpinning the recovery there, Tom? Are the share price rises that we've seen justified? What's it all built on? Well, you're right to distinguish between uh, the US stock market and other stock markets around the world. Because, uh, I mean, for example, if you looked at the UK uh, stock market this year, it hasn't really participated in that in that rally that we've seen in, in, in the US stock market and, and the same is also true of other markets. Didn't some suffer the same markets. falls either last year. Um, no, I mean, actually, the, the, the UK stock market was relatively strong um, last year. And the reason for that is to do with the, uh, uh, with the composition of the indices in, the, in those two uh, countries. So the UK is, is, is more exposed to some of the things which did well last year, in particular energy um, uh, stocks and, and, and some commodity, other commodities uh, stocks. Um, this year... Um, you ask what the what the rally has all have been about. Largely, it's been driven by technology uh, mm -hmm. stocks, and of course, the UK does not have a great exposure to technology stocks. But I said you were right to draw a distinction between the US and the rest of the world. It's also um, wise to draw a distinction between those technology stocks 
uh, in the in the US and the rest of the market, because actually yeah. the the rally has been driven by a very small subset of companies. They tend to be the large technology stocks, which have done done well, and a part of that has been um, this uh, interest in um, so-called generative. Um, um, uh, AI, AI. Yep. and uh, we've talked about that on, on previous um, podcasts. But you know, outside of that small subset of uh, companies, um, I mean, some say that it's really been driven by just seven, seven companies, yes. and the other four hundred ninety-three companies in the in the S and P five hundred index have actually not really gone anywhere this mm-hmm. year. I think the numbers are something like twelve percent for um, for those seven stocks on average. And two percent for the other four hundred ninety-three. That's quite a big difference. Yeah, I mean, taking that point on on these technology stocks, Tom, um, isn't it always the case, frankly, that the biggest companies are going to have an outsized effect on the market? If they fall, the market will tend to fall. If they rise, the market will tend to rise. That's always the way, isn't it? Because of the way indices are constructed, and because some companies are always just vastly bigger than others. Well, that's the point. It's 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 about the construction of the indices and the fact that we that we measure the performance of a stock market using shorthand indices. So we talk mm. about the S and P five hundred or the Dow Jones Index or the FTSE one hundred. They are all indices which are based on the market capitalization of individual companies. So as you say, the larger companies have a bigger influence on the overall level of the market than the smaller companies. It's not the only way to look at a market. You can look at what's called an equal weighted um, uh, index, which essentially, as its name suggests, gives an equal weight to all the companies within the index. And arguably, that is actually um, more likely to be closer to the actual experience of an investor. Because, uh, you know, you will probably, if you're a stock picker, you'll be picking stocks on the basis of their fundamental attractions, um, not necessarily on the basis of their size. Yeah. And, and, you know, what can we say about the, the likelihood of this rally continuing then, given that it is based on quite a narrow group of companies? They are at huge valuations. Um, does that mean it all has to evaporate? What would have to happen for this to be a more robust, broad-based bull market? Well, I mean, I, I think that's the point. The point is that this is not broad-based. And I think for, for a bull market to be really sustainable, it probably needs to ripple out from that small set of companies that's doing extremely well to the broader market. And I think that what will determine whether or not that happens um, uh, in the rest of this year and, and, and into next year is two things. It's one, what will happen to earnings expectations, um, and secondly, what will happen to, to interest rates. And, and, and on those, um, I think looking at earnings, first of all, I think the expectation uh, is that earnings will have a modest decline this year and then do quite well next year. There'll be quite a strong rally in earnings mm. next year. So that would be a positive for the market more broadly. And I think that we're seeing uh, a broadening out of the rally on that basis. People are expecting that to happen for earnings. So, uh, you know, hopefully it will happen, but it is a risk that it doesn't. On the interest rate front, uh, I think the expectation was that we were close to a, a peak in interest rates, and that was seen as a positive for the market. 
Uh, I think that narrative has slightly been reframed in the last few weeks. And I think maybe we're expecting rates to go a bit higher and maybe stay higher for a bit longer. So that's probably a negative. So I think we've got, you know, we've got um, uh, a balance of positive and negative factors at the moment. Because a lot, a lot of the companies that, you know, need to kind of make up ground on these big tech stocks, they're going to need economic recovery, aren't they? They're going to need you know, high levels of activity and spending to to kind of play catch up. And it's difficult to know how that's going to play out because uh, I know the bond market is pointing to a, a recession, you know, instigated by monetary policy at the Fed, slowing the economy down because it wants to get a handle on inflation. That's not necessarily going to be good for those uh, more cyclical companies that have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, th- th- that's exactly right. And there is a huge amount of uncertainty uh, about how that will will pan out. I mean, the expectation. I, I saw, you know, quite a scary chart recently, which which measured the um, uh, the probability of uh, of a recession. I'm not quite sure exactly what it was measuring, but mm. uh, the line went fairly steeply up, which suggests <laughs> that people think that the that the probability of recession is is considerably higher now than it was a few weeks ago. And that is largely to do with, with the interest rate question. But, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, this is not really the point of the discussion today, but what are you more scared of, a recession or cripplingly high interest rates? I mean, neither are, are nice. And Well, they're bring, related, of course. They're related. <laughs> if you want to bring rates down, you probably need something, if not full-blown recession, something pretty near to it, in order to bring inflation down. It's, mm. it's you know, we're in a world of... Um, sort of less than optimal outcomes yeah absolutely and, and that's that that's the that's the purpose of raising interest rates to slow yeah. the economy so the only question is whether uh the federal reserve and other central banks can strike the right balance of slowing it down just enough uh, mm. to get on top of inflation and 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 the jury is out on that okay well uh we spoke about rates we spoke about earnings finally then tom um how might investors approach this market at the moment? Do you just sort of, uh, you know, hope for the best, continue to buy, buy the index, buy lots of these big technology companies, or do you look to do something slightly different? Well, I think the point is that if you buy the index, then you are actually buying these technology companies um, because they they represent such a large part uh, of the index. So I think that if you feel as I think maybe I do, um, that um, that that uh, the valuation of, of those big technology stocks has gone quite a long way in, in this rally. Mm. Uh, and uh, and the rally has been overly dependent on those few stocks. I think that that poses a bit of a risk. Um, and I would I think I would I would encourage people to, to have a more broadly based approach to investing in the market. So I, I talked about um, uh, an equal weighted approach. You, you can actually, there are ETFs, for example, which uh, invest on an equal yes. weighted basis. So that's one possible way of doing that. Or the other way of doing it is to, um, uh, is to invest in an actively managed fund with a fund manager that maybe takes um, more of a, a value-focused approach than the growth-focused approach, which would favour those big technology stocks, and so is investing away from those particular names, and 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 in those other 493 stocks, if you like, rather than than the seven. So I think both of those are ways of playing uh, the fear 
that um, the market has become too focused on those on that small um, set of companies. But with with bear in mind that it's entirely possible that they continue to outperform. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you know, things can, uh, you know, share prices can become dislocated from fundamentals and they can stay that way for, a long for quite time. a long time. Yeah. Um, and the other thing to say, I guess, is you can you can do a similar thing uh, geographically yeah. as well. You don't have to, you know, US is what? 40 50 percent of global probably 60 percent actually but you don't have that leaves 40 percent yeah. uh, in in the rest of the world and many markets around the world are significantly less highly valued than yeah. um, than the US I mean the UK is a good example um, European shares and and Japanese shares two other good examples there are plenty of places you can invest um, uh, and avoid that that risk of really investing at very high valuations okay okay well tom we've covered loads there and that is all the time we have now so thanks for joining me thanks ed please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up so you may get back less than you invest investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon this information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment if you are unsure about the suitability of an investment you should speak to one of fidelity's advisors or an authorized financial advisor of your choice overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.